everybody. It is your friendly neighborhood BJJ podcaster, Raf Sparza, coming to you on this lovely Tuesday afternoon, January 18th. It's a great day for grappling. However, I want to say this. So I am excited about today's interview, but we have a few announcements. Number one, if this is your first time watching our show, we would love it if you give us a like and a subscribe. And if it doesn't hurt too much, we'd appreciate it if you'd go check us out on Apple Podcasts and Spotify. You're going to start seeing a lot of our backlog making its way to that because we have now gotten to the part where we've got our audio to a place where I like it. You know, sometimes when I listen to other podcasts, I can tell when the audio isn't quite there, and uh, I'm pretty picky about that sort of stuff. So finally, finally, the stuff is making its way over there, and I'm very happy to say that. Having said that, I'm excited for you to watch today's interview for a number of reasons. One, it's with our very good friend, Sven, of the Strength and Mobility Gym. And if you know anything about me, I always try to give you uh, insights into the people I train with. Anytime somebody says, Raf, you're pretty good at jiu-jitsu, I always have to give compliments to the people who actually make me decent, or at least not garbage. And Sven is one of those people. So... The particulars of this episode are interesting for a number of reasons. Number one, we've never aired it on this channel for this reason. So originally back in January of 2020, it was a very different time, uh, we were starting to take the show on the road. And we've mentioned how I have a little bit of a perfectionist habit, but we had our first interview with Milton where we did one at a bar and we had lapel mics. And the test results on those were all based off of webcams, which are just fine. The footage quality can be so-so. But uh, I spent a lot of time editing that particular interview. The very next day, I went to go interview our good friend Sven at his gym because he was nice enough to invite me to train there. He is one of the best jiu-jitsu practitioners that I know. And I really wanted to feature what made his gym great. So I had edited the interview and I spent time revising and revising. And the hard part is when I'm there, you may notice the switching of cameras. That's all done by me in real time. And at that time, I wanted it to look a certain way. I wanted it to sound a certain way. And the belief is the better that you edit live or live to tape, the less time you have to spend revising in post. And in this particular case, it just wasn't where I wanted it to be. So I spent time working, revising, and then by the time I had it in a somewhat decent shape, there was a pandemic. And when there's a pandemic, it felt weird to tell people to go to a gym that we were encouraged not to go to. So I tried to do the responsible thing and, and air this at a time when I wouldn't be encouraging people to go to a gym that you're technically not supposed to go train at. And more importantly, I told Sven I was going to hold on to this interview and put it at a time that I thought was best or most appropriate. And this week, I think, is pretty appropriate because we are doing our UFC 270 Fight Companion from Strength and Mobility this Saturday. That's right. This Saturday from Strength and Mobility. Mark a calendar. Grab your local beer that is near you. In this case, it's a Tuesday, so I don't really have a beer next to me, but I do have my complimentary coffee mug. Uh, compliments on myself. That's really not complimentary. Anyway, I guess what I'm trying to say here is I'm very excited to go do this interview. Um, 
with him and, sh- and show you what makes this gym so unique, in my humble opinion. But I'm even more excited for you to see us on Saturday because from what you can see here today, you will see a vast improvement in our ability to edit live time. And there's something that happens when you have your friends who are kind enough to come on your show. You never want to give them a bad show. And Sven, to his credit, has been so patient. He's been so great. He hasn't asked me about this interview. He hasn't done any of that sort of stuff. What he has done is just extended his doors. I have gone to train with him multiple times since. So there's a lot that I'm excited to hear you uh, see and respond to in real time that, um, you know, I don't even want to waste any more time. I just want you to see the interview. But I wanted to give you the behind-the-scenes nature as to why... Neither of us looked bothered in 2020. We didn't know there was a pandemic coming. And why uh, some of those things that we talked about in the past are evergreen in terms of his origin story and his belief in how people make their systems work in jiu-jitsu and for their strength and mobility. Um, But yo, this angle on me is super unflattering too. But it was a different time. We were doing our best. And I thank Sven for not only his patience, for for also being one of the first people to test out this uh, new setup that we were doing. And I'm so happy to say that now we have an even better one. All right, I've rambled for a few minutes. My apologies. But I know what you're here to see. I know you're here to see my interview with our good friend, Sven Manso, from Strength and Mobility. Hey, what's up, everybody? It is your good friend, Rafa Sparza. I am over here at Strength and Mobility, and I am excited to be talking with one of my friends who's opened up a gym. He is, I mean, he's one of the best grapplers that I've had the experience to grapple with, with balance, ever, like ever, ever. And I've had the opportunity to train with a lot of people. But uh, Sven Manso, how are you doing, sir? I'm doing good. How are you? Very well. Did I screw up your name at all? No. Nah. Oh, thank God. Because <laughs> I was like, I was hinging on that one. I was like, oh, if I get through this and I screw up his name. Uh, I'm going to be like, my good friend, Steve Manson. Oh, no, that's going to be terrible. Sven, tell me a little bit about this gym, because first of all, you guys can probably see it in the back over here. It looks amazing. It is uh, decked out. You have so many different machines and a great mat space over there. Uh, Just tell me a little bit about the gym and how it came together. Well, the idea is that we get to have mindful movement, create good habits with the body, and make people stronger. Um. How we got started is me and my uh, buddy Court, who's the co-owner. Mm-hmm. We met in school while going to Cal State Northridge, getting our degrees in kinesiology, started lifting together, um, and then having various jobs through rehab and stuff, we got better at training uh, individuals. We started out small and then mm-hmm. got more and more. Were you guys in the middle of like a lift when you were like, we should open a gym? <laughs> like, bro, what do you think? Like, is that how it happened or how did that come together? Um, I think that we were just getting more and more clients and we thought that maybe, maybe we can do this um, privately without the corporate you know, structure. Maybe we can do this on our own and we have a little more freedom, more, a little more variability um, and just share our experiences with people, I guess. Because I knew uh, of you before I think we really met, uh, your legend was spoken very well <laughs> by a lot of our friends and many of which in the negative sense of he's really hard to sweep. Oh, good. And so I was like, Oh, well, I definitely want to roll with that guy. And uh, I remember going to like one of our first wrestling classes and just being like, oh my, like your understanding of balance and, and, and stature 
and posture. I was just so impressed by because I looked at it and I was like, yo, this is how you translate it. You were able to take your understanding of balance and posture and turn that into an offensive weapon. And I was so just amazed by it, you know? And so it made sense when I heard you had all these clients that people were going to you and a lot of our friends who trained with you and, yeah. and had such high regard for you. So I guess if we're going to go origin story, where does your martial arts experience begin? All right, I'm going to blast through it. Go it's for it, dude. easy. 10 years old, started karate. Okay. Before that, I was just kicking shit around the house. I love being outside and I had too much energy. So I was just going, going, <laughs> going, couldn't stay still, couldn't focus on crap. So movement helped me kind of release all that. Ah, ah. Yeah. Um, started karate at 10, competed right away, the white belt, yellow belt, whatever, whatever. Did that um, for the next five years after that. While doing karate, there was kickboxing on the other side of the gym. At 13, started kickboxing. First kickboxing fight at 15. Kickboxed until I was 17, joined the military, got introduced to combatives. So I was like, oh, I can stand up. I don't need to work on the ground stuff. You know, like that same old story. Hold on. We're going to stop here because I know you want to barrel through it, but I'm fascinated by this. Right. So you're saying already at 15 years old, that's when you're having like some of your, your first major competition experiences? No shin guards, gloves. And what? Just, yeah, yeah. That doesn't seem safe or smart. <laughs> I mean, there's just like, you know, the, the, what they call smokers. Like, in house, yeah. you just go grab someone from another gym and it's you guys are in your head that this is a, this is time to go. Can I ask this? Because I, I know people talk about smokers all the time. I have a video somewhere. Do you really? Yeah, I would really love to do. see it. I'm sure it's, it's masterful. But <laughs> one of the things that I get really confused by is how do we as a practice get okay with being like, yo, how old are you? 12? Get in there. Smoke <laughs> the shit out of this kid. Like, how does that happen? I think... Just being competitive was always something that I liked, um, being pushed further and further. So it was just probably me asking for it. When you got into karate, though, what was the motivation by it? You said that you, you couldn't sit still. You wanted to move. You wanted to be outdoors. You wanted yeah. to do all these crazy, like, active things. But was there a moment that you remember in your first class or anything like that? In karate, I don't remember my first class. I remember my first few years um, just liking it. Like, because I was always at home before this, like, practicing kicks, what I saw on TV. Or yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I don't know. It just it seemed as far as balance and coordination, it's always nature and nurture, right? So I think I had that naturally. I had the good hand-eye coordination and ability to time and rhythm and stuff. But it was the other attributes that I had none of the power, the speed. I was so long and lanky and weak, and it was such a far travel through distance, you know. Um, but the army the at seventeen, dude. The so. army at seventeen. I'm in there, 145 pounds at six three, mm -hmm. failing my first push-up test, like. No muscle, whatever, but, you know, you just smash through over time, and you learn that this is where strength comes from, and it's mm -hmm. indomitable will and all that good stuff, and you just got to go, you know, and then um, you get stronger over time, and then five years later, I'm 200 pounds, and I'm able to do the things I want to do neurologically, like, in my physical output. You get to 200 pounds? Yeah. I'm yeah, this is, the part, 190 right this is the part that I don't know about you. You don't look 190. Like, you awesome. still... God. <laughs> I wish this was my problem. Uh, I 100% look 190. And for you, though, when you are doing that, though, when does it kick in that you have a, maybe not a mastery of strength and balance, but the balance, but that you have an interest in it or that you have a skill at it? I want to say I'm trying to consciously and unconsciously nurture both. I don't know, man. Like, I had awesome instructors when I was a kid. It was American Kempo Karate Association, which... I, the way I hear the story is my instructor got his black belt from Winkle John, who's over at mm -hmm. Albuquerque. Absolutely. Um, yeah, so those are the lines that we come from, that American-style kickboxing and not to – and it was always us not to, like, there's no right style kind of thing. And it was cool that he imparted that on me and then started to build my understanding or that, my, I guess, my, my principles as far as martial arts goes mm -hmm. and, and practicing. But, yeah, just having 
badass instructors like they were already working on your kinetics as a little kid like looking to like drive through the whole punch drive with the leg and having sound like movement patterns like so that was instilled from the beginning and it's not because of me it's because of them you know so i'm a collective of the experience and and all that shit i mean i'm just i'm so impressed by when i watch you coach you don't coach like everybody else so to me that always makes me like watch a little bit more and, and try to get an understanding of it because I, I haven't, again, I've mentioned this, but I do have an appreciation for how you coach, um, specifically who you reach out to coach to and, and like the way you develop a rapport with your fighters and, and your clients. Because to me, I see the best coaches are able to problem solve on an individual level. They don't make it as a wide casting net that just says like, well, here's some stretches. They work for 90% of the people, you know, good luck. Yeah. For you, the way I see you connect uh, the kinesiology, the science of it, to an individual is really like, I just, I, I could watch it for days. It's just so good. Thanks, dude. I got lucky there, too, because I had some really cool jobs, like high-level jobs, um, after I got out of school. And they put me in the most extrime situations, working with people with craniotomies, their mm -hmm. skull still in their stomach, and just got off the shot in the oh, head. Yeah. Like, all this crap, like the craziest <laughs> TBIs you can think of. Like, I'm working with these people, and that gave me so much, like, sick experience that I could across the spectrum work with, you know? Sure. There's a linear regression and progression with anything math and science-based, which kinesiology is a science as well mm -hmm. as an art, you know? But there is that linear regression progression, and if you follow the lines, you can help a lot of people. So, okay, let's talk military, because you said, do these jobs happen after the military? Yeah. So I was, I went out of 17, I was in for five years, 10 months, uh, spent 28 months in Baghdad, Iraq. The rest of the time was spent either training for that or moving around from base to base. And uh, I got out as an E6, so I was an NCO or a sergeant for about half my time in there. And I loved being in the trenches, and that's what I think my coaching got influenced by is because I saw, for me, that worked. Like, I can't stand on the hill and be like, do this, do this. Um, I, I feel like I have to just be like, let's do this. Like, I'm going to carry your backpack too if you need it, but obviously I know strength, again, comes from resistance and overcoming that resistance. But I'm there to just, look, let's dig in, let's dive in, let's put you on the right path, and then you got to, you got to go crazy. You got to go grinding and, and you got to make adjustments on the path we do. Why did you go in the military? I was 17. I knew everything. Duh. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, I think I was just like, I don't know. I just needed some, I thought that was my way to freedom. Like I didn't want to be dependent on anyone else. And I thought that was the way that I could become independent. Did you find independence through that? Yeah. I figured out for me, structure leads to freedom. Cause I'm a crazy. I'm, so for me, when I become rigid, it allows me to be more free in other areas if I structure certain aspects of my life, you know. Makes sense. So you were able to get structure from that, I'm sure, and a very... Yeah. They force your hand, but once you learn it, you're like, damn it, I should have did this willingly. But sometimes I need that push, because if you tell me something, sometimes I'll run the opposite direction, because I want it to be my idea. Some you know, bullshit. I was just talking with somebody today, I think I was talking with JT Torres. JT Torres mentioned something about how at some point when he was growing up and, and being competitive, he's like, dude, the difference between then and now is I was selfish when I was then. You know, like <laughs> I was I was in it and I was only competing for myself when I was a jiu-jitsu guy. And he was kind of alluding to like, man, I wish I saw the bigger picture. And I was like, I don't know, man. From my perspective, I think you needed to do that so that you could become this person. So like, yeah, I mean, it would have been nice if you would have been like, I want to take care of everybody as a competitor at that time. But would you be as successful without that drive you needed to get you here? That's part of the bigger picture, right? And so to me, I'm like, yo, dude, like, how, maybe the perspective is there and you're being humble, but I think it's important to be realistic to 
what developed those senses and what developed you into the person you became. So yeah. to me, when he's mentioning that, I'm looking at him, I was like, like, you've always been nice. Like, I can't imagine, even when you were like highly competitive, I was like, I've known you for like five or six years, JT. I was like, you were never like somebody that was like selfish. Still a good guy. Look at that guy. <laughs> he's so, he hates everybody. He just wants to think of himself. <laughs> so I would, I would probably say for you, you had something and it brought a format that you could follow but it brought it out of you to recognize the power was within you, I'm sure. Yeah, yeah I guess. The yeah. cheesiest sayings usually stick around the longest because they're true. Like that journey is the destination thing. That's, yep. Yeah. So you mentioned that the karate starts there. Where is jiu-jitsu? You said combatives. Is that where jiu-jitsu was really starting or was it before then? Yeah, so in the Army, I was a military police officer. We did a lot of combatives. We do a little bit in basic training. And then afterwards, our unit did a lot of it. We called them big daddy matches. We did some stuff where we'd learn triangles. Yeah, yeah. We'd learn the bridge and roll, the yeah. basic technique and stuff, holding mount. Um, but then we would do things like squad versus squad, like yeah, 12 yeah. versus 12 people. Um, and that was, did you like that? Did, was that was I that just that? liked like grappling cause I had the martial arts background. So there's wrist locks and other stuff. So I had, a, a, there's positive transfer from kickboxing mm-hmm. and clinch work and tie clinch to grappling for sure. So I mm-hmm. had a little bit of the edge on it. Um, so I had a, a head start kind of thing, but yeah, I love that shit. That shit was awesome. Dude. I mean, my grappling background comes, uh, compliments of uh, one guy from the army and one guy from the military that were kind of like buddies and friends of mine and it was right on the time we would watch ultimate fighting we'd go get drunk and then we would wrestle and if we would wrestle they noticed what i think people know now about me which is they're like I, like you're durable like what's wrong with you yeah. like what why can you still be in this fight and i was like i don't know how to explain it i'm just in it and i don't know what to tell you and like my buddy who had trained combatives he would show us what he would do from combatives but we would start back to back because of that so yeah but because when i got to my first jujitsu class and they're like all right ready to spar i was like all right i would would be well i would be like turning around like do we do this granted nobody ever like said let's let you do that like nobody ever said like wait do you do you know what you're doing (laughs) but i just thought like oh cool well we're just supposed to start back to back and then we're supposed to race to whoever can get front right but he told me, he was like, yeah, we just did that at uh, our base. And that's how I was like, I think that's how all grappling works then, right? Right? And then people were like, no, you're an idiot. They, some people do it, but it's not how we do jiu-jitsu. So that was, uh, that was an early part that's for me. Let's ask this, though. Yep. Grappling is a way of life for so many people. It becomes a way of life. It becomes a business for you. When does it become something more than just that hobby or that thing that you're doing to release a little bit of, uh, you know, energy. Well, it's kind of, it's been morphing through the years. So mm-hmm. I started in combatives. Yeah. Got out in 2010 of the army and then started jujitsu in 2011 or 2012. Okay. And then I just went three to four times a week, nonstop for the last whatever year. It is, 2020. <laughs> uh, so for the last eight years, I've just been going three to four times a week, wrestling, class, kickboxing, and just grappling. I fought MMA within that time. I had two to four grappling matches a year, just competing all the time. And it was just nice to fulfill the competitive edge and compete, you know. Um, and then grappling suits me a bit more because I'm not a fighter, really. I'm a martial artist, you know. So I don't, I'm not trying to hurt anyone. MMA, yeah. I fought that fight and I won, cool. But it, I never in that moment wanted to be like, this guy is trying to kill my family or anything. I have to revert to yeah. something that is fighting or drawing. You know, I, I tell people, I'm like, listen, dude, if I'm doing my job right, you should not be hurt by the time we're done. Yeah. Uh, and with great. grappling, you can do that. Yeah, and with grappling, that's great. 
Um, now, granted, sometimes I'm out of my league, and I'll be like, uh-oh, abort, abort. Like, I get that Iron Man first-person, like, visualization where it's like, I'll be like to my Jarvis, like, what are we supposed to do here, Jarvis? And Jarvis is like, you're on your own. I'm like, no! <laughs> I don't know how to do this. But I always tell people, like, I, to, to so much of my grappling, I, I attribute being around with the community and the great people that you meet along the way. And so one of the things that made me curious about your game was, I think one of the first times we rolled, and we had talked and we had done wrestling, yeah. but when we were grappling, I was like, you know, one of my MOs is always like, they're like, Raph goes slow. I was like, okay, cool. When I rolled with you, I was like, oh no, he goes slow too. <laughs> oh no, this, like, I think people are going to think you, we're rolling at three, four speed. <laughs> I'll match, I'll try to match pace if it's new. You yeah, know? yeah, I'm yeah, like yeah. letting you lead the dance there. You know? <laughs> well, the thing but then like, it was like, yeah. all right, let me, <laughs> then I started opening up a little yeah, bit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But when we first started rolling, it was just like, I remember watching the expression of other people who were just like, why am I watching? <laughs> because it seemed like we had almost oh. rehearsed it. <laughs> So, uh, but I just, again, I, I deeply remember like the sweeps, the way you were controlling, the way you did your things. And I was just like, this is so good. Here's what I thought. Like, okay, so flow is great for things, smashing great for things. But when you have constant tension and you and your partner can together keep constant tension. So like, I'm not giving you an underhook, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. but I'm not either crossing that threshold to where I lose the ability to maintain perfect technique and smooth patterns. Yep. So that's, that's that beautiful thing where you can stay rolling for a long time and like, dig and fight and still get worked like crazy right but not injure and not explode and freak out like the greatest show of power is control i've heard said so mm. like that right i was laughing today because uh there was a moment where you were like what happened and we, you like <sighs> saw me stop i was just like i just i saw you step at three four speed and it was so good i think i would have lost my balance if i didn't do it at that speed that's why I did. <laughs> that, no but that's fair but it was more so that your timing with it was what I was like, I'm not afraid to tell a training partner, even mid-roll, mostly after, but mid-roll, I'm not afraid to tell them like, yo, that was good. Like, I recognize the timing, and I may not be able to beat it, or even if I do beat it, I might be like, barely beat yeah. that. That was one where I was like, I missed that, like, just whiff, <laughs> in terms of like, seeing it coming and being able to stop it and being like, man, he really, he did that one good. And so, like, 15 seconds later, you sweat me. You talk about, you're like, I don't want to give an inch. And I'm like, well, I don't either. So you were starting to do more kinesiology. That's what you started studying. Yeah. Um, what made you, again, we're talking business for grappling, but business for helping people with movement. This place is called Strength and Mobility. Yeah. I feel like that's connected to uh, the background and how that started to come alive for you as a personal trainer. So where is that connection, if there is one? Yeah, so those are... I don't know, it depends how you define strength, right? It's neurological adaptation. There's a lot of ways to look at it. I talked about indomitable will earlier, and mobility means to be able to go to one place to the next in the smoothest or hopefully the most efficient pattern possible. And those two can be also, if you're talking about mechanics, be on the other ends of the extreme. Mobility, stability, strength is how you refer to a joint. Like mm -hmm. you have a, this much range of motion, mm -hmm. you have to be able to stabilize most degrees in that range if it's a big rolly joint like this or a mm -hmm. hinge joint like this. Mm -hmm. um, and so you have to control and stabilize that joint in certain degrees. And once you're able to stabilize it through whatever range of motion you have control of, then you can start to strengthen those patterns of movement. Or then, you know, it's deemed safe if you're looking at a risk versus reward continuum to strengthen those patterns and challenge it overhead with or ways with uh, resistance. Um, I can lost I, my can, topic. You, no, no, no. <laughs> Here's why you lost the topic. 
and I want to make sure that the people understand this because I, I think I, I get this pretty quickly. You geek out on this. Oh, so yeah, you're, yeah. you're excited to be like, yo, I've been keeping this in all day. Like, I want to <laughs> tell you ex exactly about how this all connects together. So it's not, it's not a thing that you should be bad about. It. I love passion for it. And I think that's why I can watch you do it. And I can be like, oh, yeah, he's bringing up really good points for this person. But in terms of you, what I'm trying to figure out is, when we talk about it, one of the things I love to ask grapplers is, when did you fall in love with jiu-jitsu? But for your particular cases, I'd like to ask, when did you fall in love with the concepts of mobility and strength? I guess when I started noticing it in my martial arts. So when the, the left brain or the logical part of it was like, okay, there's a linear progression here. And then the other side of it was like, oh, when all those things are smoothly timed and connected perfectly and mechanically sound, and I'm turning a corner or hitting a single leg or hitting a kick in the most like mathematically sound way, like then it becomes beautiful. Mm. And so that I think was like, oh shit. Like then it's almost like, I don't, I can't see the end. There is, it's infinite at that point then, mm -hmm. because then you can complexify it to whatever. Mm -hmm. And I think that's when I was like, oh, cool, we got a game that there's no end to, you know? Like, for my body, I can only get so strong. I can only load so much weight on my spine. I, I know that there's smaller increases over time, and maybe I can progress forever, but the ceiling seems lower there. And when I start patterning things on an open chain where I have to respond to outside things, um, that's what martial arts gets me that excitement and love for that movement. I can't explain all the time. Like, I can maybe describe it. And I think that's kind of the gift curse of the writer is sometimes you can describe your world that's happening around you, uh, but then sometimes the best way to experience it is just to experience it. Dude, it's the best teacher experience. Yeah. Yeah. So when I'm like rolling with people, they'll be like, what are you doing? I was like, I don't know, I'm figuring it out. <laughs> Shut up, do whatever you're doing, I'm gonna do what I'm doing. And they'll be like, what were you trying to do? And I was like, I don't know, it was supposed to be a half guard, didn't turn into that, I don't know. What I was, was waiting for it. for it to tell me. Yeah, I was just like, uh, well, you were a dick and you screwed up. So, uh, but I, I tell people, I'm like, you do whatever you wanna do. Yeah. I come in with kind of an idea and agenda of like, man, if I could hit these two or three moves, that's my, my MO for the day. And I don't care if I tap you, I don't care if I do any of that. So my process is always trying to get to the description of how did I do it and how do I recreate that high of doing that continuously? So reps. even the, reps, yeah, definitely. Like, I know drilling is such a good way to like make your body perfect and, and neurologically connect to the muscles in that movement pattern. Right? This is fascinating. Okay, I want to get into this because there are people in jiu-jitsu, I yeah. won't name names, Dale, but there are people who say that drilling is inherently not great for you. There are studies that show that sometimes it can inhabit we're some people's there. I mean, we're talking about like, okay, for I have your back and we're going live, like that type of live drilling or no? It's like more like, okay, patterning, like patterning. I pull the arm. Well, I think that's, there's something to be said about that because like if he's not giving me the correct weight shift, mm -hmm. then the truth of the martial arts becomes a bit of a question. Mm -hmm. There's a lot of variables there. When someone's doing everything they can to, to resist in the moment, and then you get the correct response of a pull down to that double, like it's hard to time that stuff. That's why you gotta have good training for it. It's hard to time like perfect responses that would be natural and inherent in the moment. I've told this to people, which is, I believe that you get um, great structure from uh, proper technique that you drill. Yeah. For me, I need it. Yeah. Like I recognized when I was doing speech, I couldn't memorize, but it's kind of hard when you are 
graded on how you perform yeah. if you don't memorize well. Yeah. So I had to find systematic ways to do it. I patterned my jiu-jitsu off of the way I learned to memorize speeches because I said, I don't have these things, these neurological parts in my brain that naturally do it, so I have to do it. Download, add them in. Add them in. Yeah. So when I would download it and do it multiple times, I'd be like, dope. Now I can put it in different settings. Yeah, and there's and a bridge there it. where you can start to, okay, I'm going to try to do this move that I've been repping all the time mm -hmm. in live stuff. So when I hear these people talking shit, what they mean to say is you drilling without situational is not You're great. losing the disconnect. Yeah, yes. that's intent and action not connected to exactly. you. Exactly. You are doing something great here that I appreciate, which is you are training uh, fighters. You are also opening it up to general public. So you have a lot of different types of styles of folks that you're working with here. What is it that people can expect if they were to come train here? Like, what services do you offer? And I mean, you have everything. So, like, what is it that people can look for if they're coming to train over at Strength and Mobility? All right, so we got small group classes up to 12 people, and we have a bit of an intake process. So we'd like to do an assessment, which is comprised of a movement screen, some circumference measurements, talking about, hey, have you had anything weird with your chest, your heart, and just a full list of medical questionnaire to make sure that you're safe enough for exercise. That's the first thing. We want to take about an hour with you and just get a baseline understanding of what your body is made of, how it moves, etc. We also got to get in goals. We do SMART goals. Seems to be the highest standard of goal taking right now. So that way you can keep yourself motivated. keeps us accountable, me and the individual that's coming in. Second part is the orientation. So that's just the first hour. Hey, how's it going? Let's do an assessment. Get some baselines. Cool. Second hour, orientation. Hopefully a day later, I need time to process and take everything I can into account and give you a couple of recommendations. When you say you need a data process, what's going through your head on that? Because I just look at the numbers because at the time, I'm just kind of recording at the time. I'm, I'm taking notes and I'm trying to stay mindful of what's going on. That way I can give some feedback at the review process once we go through the whole thing. But look, here's what's going on. Basically, your hamstrings are a little too tight. Your back's becoming more and more uncomfortable. Your hips are less mobile because of that issue. If we address that, that can start to open up the body, etc. And that's Do you take that home with you? Like, are you eating dinner and then you're like, figured it out or does it like I happen instinctively do like when i do it you know it just it comes <laughs> up and it goes away because but i get it i mean i just make sure that i have it done in advance because i i wonder you know this isn't my field my field is someone asked me how does that sweep work my brain doesn't just say like here is how you know like <laughs> i go home and sometimes i'm eating dinner and i go um text them i i figured it out just come see me immediately tomorrow i'm with that man if it pops up i ain't blocking that's good. That's a good perspective. That's all. But again, because someone can Sherlock Holmes it when they get home, I don't know if you get there and you immediately have like this chalk outline board that you're like, I figured it out. It all connects. No, because <laughs> then there's another thing to it. Like maybe two people have the same mechanical issue, but one is much more timid. One's fearful of, you know, doing things incorrectly or, and then they become restricted and their chest becomes tight and then it starts to tighten other things. And, or the other person's like, look, just give me what to do. I'm going to rep it out and get better at the movement, stretch out these areas. And I'm going to do what you say. There's, mm -hmm. there's, I got to take those things into account too, you know, and off that first meet, I, I try to get the best handle or the best understanding of the person I can. That way I can guide them correctly. Look, if it's tightness, Due to something else, then we got to maybe start with breath work and just get their full body moving. If they've been moving a lot, they're an athlete and they just got a tight area, then I can probably focus a little more isolated. So let's ask this because we we tend to be, you know, we're a grappling show. I'm gonna move this just slightly. I want to get you more on camera than me. <laughs> I'm important too, but you're more important. Uh, if I'm coming here as a grappler, okay, and let's say in some weird parallel universe, I come to you and I say, okay, dude. I want to be a athlete. I want to be a professional grappler. Yeah. 
what does that process look like to you? So the first thing we gotta do is address any red flags and that's what that assessment's for. The orientation is get to give you a little head start on what posture looks like, the functional movements of the body, pulling, pushing, how you should pull your shoulders back as you pull, how you should, when you press, try not to do too much reaching and rounding because mm -hmm. we lose stability of the shoulder. So mm -hmm. that's that second hour. We go through the functional movements and we just give you a couple of areas to work on or areas of opportunity and then talk about your strengths and then we start to comprise balance of the whole system. So we wanna, again, have a balanced body if we can with strength and mobility and um, we use that assessment process to get it done and then the second thing we do is recommend you start taking those classes so we have again like I said linear regressions and progressions if you can't press overhead then we'll get you into an incline or we'll have you do a corrective exercise such as wall slides until you can start to reach overhead comfortably that's what's up that's but we have people here loading weight we have people putting a couple hundred pounds on their back and doing it in great form that's dope and then the other people are with a five pound weight doing the goblet squat and maybe looking to you know stand up from a box if you're a different level because one of the things that i, I will want to do i we didn't I have, unfortunately have a time to do it this time but what i want to do in the future is come back here in a few months and do like i would have you put me through a circuit now i hate weights i hate all of this <laughs> stuff but i'm also not trying to be an athlete but i would like to show uh just to an extent of like a day in the life of a grappler what they should be doing uh to be a professional athlete because i know for a fact when i see other people doing it yeah there are very few athletes right now who aren't doing strength and conditioning in the professional level. And to me, I'm like, I would love people to see how hard this is. <laughs> yeah, but I mean, putting a supercharger in your car makes it a lot faster, you know? So like just, yeah, yeah, yeah. We, we, I think that's a huge part of being able to fulfill what you have in your head as far as being able to respond to those actions in that fight or in that grappling exchange. As well as competency, so you know your limits, you start to know your mm -hmm. ranges, you start to know, well, how balanced can I be? Mm -hmm. How much farther past this leg can I get before he brings his knee up into my hip? Um, so getting an understanding for yourself, such a nice way to do it. And I guess, um, like I said, the classes are up to 12 people, and we try to have an eye. So me and the other owner, we have our degrees, we have our certifications, we've been doing this a while. So just try to give you a, a look, but also know that the knowledge comes from within, and you got to learn this through repetition. We're just here to make sure you don't get hurt. Yeah. I want to ask this because I think this is really uh, unique and important. Um, you, you guys have made it uh, a prominent aspect of your place here to involve vets and um, you know reach out to you know people in the military and all that sort of stuff. Tell us a little bit about that outreach because um, I think it's really important. I, I find that so many people who come out of service look for something like this, but then sometimes don't know it exists or don't know how to yeah. get involved. Um. Well, me and Court were both in the military. He was in the Coast Guard for seven years. I was in the Army for six years. Mm -hmm. It seemed easy and right to just get our old buddies back, our old battle buddies back in here and just come hit a workout. Because, I mean, that's in the military. We wake up every day and we're at formation by six and we're Monday, Wednesday, Friday running five miles or doing sprints. Tuesday, Thursdays is push-ups, pull-ups, sit-ups. So you're doing something every day for an hour and sweating your face off and working. And when you get out of the military, sometimes... The guys don't go back to waking up at 6 a.m. <laughs> yeah. every day and get their workout in. But, you know, maintaining that vehicle is such a huge thing. It bounces out those hormones. If you get that workout in the mm -hmm. morning, get a sweat, get your metabolism going. Um, and it just kind of keeps that level ahead, you know. Mm -hmm. In the military, you have some stressors in there, right? And it's a more physical job. So being able to come out here and, and let them at least settle before mm -hmm. going out into the world doing their thing seems to help. I love that, dude. And, and, and honestly, again, I, I have a huge appreciation for those uh, businesses and industries 
um, that do reach out to our military members and, you know, say like, hey, listen, this is a great place for you to come. One of the first things you see here is your heroes movement uh, pokes through over here, which is like, I think it's a very welcoming sign that, that tells people. And so for me, uh, you know, one of the worst things I've heard consistently from dudes who get out of service, they're like, oh, I wanted to train. You know, I love USC. Yeah. You know, they'll, they'll hit us up. They're like, I would love to train. It's just, uh, I don't know, man. I'm like, go. Just go. Yeah, why not? They get an intro to it, and I understand it can be scary stepping into that new water, but I mean, my dad used to send me the UFCs back in 2005 when I was in Iraq, just over. He would record them onto the DVD. Wait, is he allowed to do that? <laughs> he would send them over. <laughs> you, know, um, we're not, you know, we're not here to judge anybody. Um, I will say. So we would all gather around the laptop, and watch, I mean, everyone has a... Hey, you know, you're fighting for America, so, you know, DVDs can, will suck off for just a second. I will say this, though. Uh, my dad, when I was a kid, uh, we would do kind of like tape to tape sort of taping. Really? Oh yeah, but my dad, when I went up to him, I remember I saw like the FBI warning at the very beginning. And he looked at me and I was like, Dad, are we doing an FBI warning? Like, are, <laughs> are we there? And my dad just goes, we're not selling it. And a mass distribution, it's fine. You just want to copy a liar liar and then take it, you know. <laughs> and I just remember being like, oh yeah, I guess that makes sense. It's kind of the same thing as like just recording it off Channel 5, you know, yeah. like as long as I'm not getting a bootleg sale, it's like, Raffles Bar is this version of Moulin Rouge. She wants 10 versions of this. I've got Transformers. I've got trans. It's Transformers, <laughs> not Transformers, kid. Is that your coat of DVDs? That's my, my 100% coat of DVDs. Because <laughs> every shysty person still goes out with a coat. And watch stuff. this, watch <laughs> um, That's so great, man. I, I, I cannot really emphasize what makes this... Uh, better than I think both you and your partner, who was very nice to me when I came to visit the other day. Um, but just the, the amount of care, the the types of classes that you're offering, um, it, I think it's so important and, and something that grapplers do but maybe don't talk about on a large scale on their strength and conditioning. Because the big prevailing thought is, well, you're, you're steroids. You know, <laughs> like that's how we think people get strong. Pretty easy to tell I'm not on steroids. I, you, have, you have good steroids if you're on them because I'm like, he's strong. Like, some of you guys haven't rolled with him. A little too lean for it. Uh, yeah, but you know, like I tell people, I'm like, yeah, if I win, I'm pretty sure I wouldn't get the good steroids. I'm pretty sure they give me like the off-brand one where I'm like, half my body's strong and half is dumb. So, um, well, let's do this. Let us go ahead and kind of like wind down. But if somebody, again, let's say we're appealing to the person who's on the fence, be it grappling, be it strength, conditioning, be it any kind of movement. What would you tell them? This is your camera over here. Look to them right now and make that appeal to them and tell them why they should come to train with you over here at Strength Mobility. Well, you have two degreed and certified individuals. So basically all the experience that I got from 10 years old of martial arts through the military and putting myself through those physical extremes, understanding ending up at a point where my body physically can't continue puking after certain workouts and runs. <laughs> um, so within the extremes, I was able to find the mean and that, that way of training where you can preserve yourself and limit your injuries and actually get stronger over time if you do it safely, correctly, with correct schemes, correct schedules, and, and hopefully we can provide that correct influence. We talk about the posture, the form all the time, where your hips should be in the squat, where your shoulders should be in the press, and it's not anything but human movement. It goes for everyone and it's just maintaining that vehicle. And it's, again, just, it's just a nice place to train. You get a bit of attention, but a lot of it's hopefully you are there to work on yourself and we're there to provide or facilitate an environment for success, limiting the risk of injury and increasing the risk of the reward. 
It's a good pitch. I like that. That was terrible. What do you mean it was terrible? <laughs> what are you talking about? Every time it's different, too. You've, you've done this elevator pitch before to people? I'm sure I tried. They said I should do it to get good at it so I can convey the correct stuff. Hey, dude, I can, I'm a speech guy. I can, I can clean up a little bit of it, so All that's right. no problem. But if somebody came up to me and was as passionate as you were about it, I think I'd be okay. <laughs> so, you know, for the, for the time being, like, you want to get your strength conditioning on? You want to get your grapple on? You want to learn some uh, kicking? You want to learn some martial arts? Come this way. We have an answer for every one of those things. I like that. You know what I mean? I'm going to steal that. Oh, take it, David. Stolen. <laughs> That's yours now. Uh, well, Sven, here's the thing, man. I have been meaning to get out here for so long. Thanks and so much. Uh, you know, we've been trying to do what we can to, to get the schedules to align. Uh, I know this place has been in existence, and I have been rooting for you guys from afar. Every time I see something good that's happening here or I see a huge open mat or you guys, you know, killing it with, with people or the way you're doing it on social media, I get super stoked because I know that other people that I don't see in person every day yeah. are getting a healthy lifestyle that you guys are helping to foster here. That's Thanks, smart. Thank you. And so I, I very much appreciate your time, sir. So Dude, that was awesome. We will be doing our next fight companion for UFC 270 at our good friends, Strength and Mobility. You saw one of the owners of it, Sven Manso, here today on this episode. I think he is one of the nicest human beings. He is a purple belt, but like, and he is somebody who gives me some of the hardest rounds that I, I ever have and could not be a, a better person. So if you are looking for a place over in Canoga Park, please. Go find your way there. I'm actually going to go there tonight. I'm very excited for that. But yes, this is part of our Strength and Mobility Appreciation Week. We will be there again, as a reminder, this Saturday. So that means if you guys want to watch the UFC 270 with friends, feel free to tune in. You can catch us here on the Grappling Hour. Also, nice little reminders here. If you have not done so yet, go check us out at Grappling Hour on Apple Podcasts, on Spotify, if you would be so kind to give us a rating and a review. Five stars, preferably, because, you know, I, mean, I give you guys a lot of good content. Uh, <laughs> five stars, preferably. And, of course, uh, give us a like and subscribe on all of those major platforms on social media at Grappling Hour, on Twitter, Twitch, YouTube, Periscope. That's not a thing anymore. Um, but you know the usuals. So, anyway, that is what I've got for you guys. Do you have any questions before I sign off? Speak now or forever hold your peace. Because I've got the rest of this coffee to still to kill. And by the sound of it, I, I do not know if you are picking this up, but I have two dogs who are barking profusely. Um, and then in the future, I want to tell you guys, uh, I can very much expect to be doing a broadcast with friend of the show, uh, Rick. Rich. That's the thing. Now you're, you have Rick written on your thing. I know you as Rick. It's very different. Uh, but yes, uh, he has a new Academy hybrid out in the orange region of California, and I'm looking forward to going to visit him. So I wouldn't be surprised if you see me drop in there at some time, bringing the equipment, sitting down, having a conversation. I have not seen my friend in some time, and uh, he has gotten over some recovery, and I look forward to that conversation that I have with him. So hit me, friends, because that's about the last part that I've got for you. What is up, I'm Blue? Look at this. I see Alex coming in right now. Alex is one of the students over at both Strength and Mobility and the Combat Academy. 
So the Combat Academy is a new branch of strength and mobility. And we're going to have a little uh, inside video that we'll do. I don't think it's going to air for this UFC 270, but you can keep an eye out for it because it is happening soon. So that's the stuff that's coming in very, very closely for all of us right now. I'm going to go ahead and sign off of this thing. My thanks to all of you for tuning in. I hope that you enjoyed this week's episode. It was a long, long in the wait one for me. And again, my apologies to Sven for such a long delay on that. But uh, I think you can tell now the difference, the way the show looks. Um, It was worth it. So my name is Rafa Sparza. It's been a great day for grappling. We'll see you back on the mats.